Everybody, welcome to the Mike Grand Show and today's special guest from Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, Little Egypt. Hey, Little Egypt, how are you? Hey, good, Mike. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. We're so happy to have you here today. We're going to have a fun-packed show. We know you got some great stories to share with us. And the first story we want to hear is how did you get started in Glow? So I love my story because it's actually a story of female empowerment. I was 19 years old working in a t-shirt store in Las Vegas, Nevada, and in walked Mount Fiji, 350 pound Samoan princess, and she needed to get a shirt made. And she uh, was just such an incredible presence. I started talking to her and asked her what she did and when she told me she was a wrestler she looked at me and she said you could do this too and i didn't really know what that meant because i was 19 years old and i knew of wrestling because of the wwf at the time but i didn't really know what she meant i really thought maybe her job was to recruit like small women like me and just like break our legs you know i didn't really know what the, what the rule was so she uh told me i could go down and talk to her friend, David McLean. And uh, what was really interesting about my story is that well, after meeting with David McLean, I went right into training and two weeks later, I was on my first match against Chainsaw and Spike. It was a tag team with Little Fiji. And oh my gosh, Entertainment Tonight was there. We did not have social media at the time. So when I, when I was wrestling for the very first time, my family was watching in New Jersey on Entertainment Tonight. How crazy is that? That's nuts. And that's really unheard of for any of the other girls, right? To be trained and in the ring so quickly, that, just like you did. Yeah, actually, totally unheard of, especially now when we have, you know, farm teams and we have all these developmental programs that will help a wrestler, like, de develop their skills. What was very interesting about my journey is that it was... Uh, of an evolution that you could actually watch play out on national television. Like it was, you know, from the my very first kicks and stomps to actually getting to the point where my favorite moves were flying drop kicks and, you know, I could actually do helicopter spins with attache and, and feeling really good as a wrestler towards the end um, of my career. What was it that Mount Fiji and David McLean said that convinced you to come on board to GLOW? Well, Mount Fiji told me about the money and, uh, and it looked, sounded way more fun than what I was doing folding t-shirts in a t-shirt store. And David McLean, he was just, you know, I was just someone else that he was throwing into uh, training to see if they would survive. You know, he was like, yeah, sure, come on, yeah, well, you know, it wasn't like he saw me right away and said, you're little Egypt. He was like, let's see if she gets through a few weeks. And this was at the time of the end of season one. A lot of girls were getting hurt. A lot of girls weren't coming back. They had had enough. Uh, and then this was like, we have to, you know, we have to get some girls, got to get some new talent in there right away. And I came in at the end of season one 
and then went all the way through season two before the show was recast for season three and four. Were you athletic growing up? So athletic in the 80s, uh, I guess you could say uh, athletic in the 80s for me was powder puff football a couple times. It was doing aerobics. It was, um, that was it. Like that, 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 no, I was not athletic. I was never like on a team sport. I just, um, I was just coachable. Were you scared when you got into the ring that you could get hurt when you got in for the first time? Or did you feel safe um, with your training? Oh no, I was, I was petrified. And that was because I was watching the other girls and I was so impressed by like what they were doing. This was where like uh, Americana had her match against Attaché that day and Nanuchka and then, um, I think also uh, Queenie came in, Matilda the Hun came in with Hollywood and Vine for the uh, the Nazi match that they did, you know, and and they were flipping and flying all over the place. And I was just worried that would I ever be able to get to that level when I, uh, when I did my first two matches that same day, I actually had two matches, first one with Chainsaw and Spike, and then the second one with the Housewives which were also Chainsaw and Spike. <laughs> but so I only worked with them and they were so amazing to work with. They're like, hey, her girl, listen, you don't have to worry about us. We don't wrestle. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Thank you. I just like, I just needed to get the jitters out. And uh, it didn't help that entertainment was, tonight was there when I, when I entered the ring, but it's still, you know, you gotta just get uncomfortable, right? You gotta jump and the net will appear. You gotta, you know, just, just go for it, you know, and you'll find your wings on the way down. Like these are, these are things that I was not taught at that early age, but because of the way I was raised in my family, um, I was raised with this, uh, mentality that, you know, you can accomplish whatever it is you want. And I always had so much encouragement from my mom and dad that I just, you know, I didn't have any preconceived notions, nor did I have any issues with my own self-confidence at the time. Who was the person that trained you? Attaché. And, and how was Attaché in the ring? I mean, Attaché was awesome, but what were your experiences with Attaché? I actually had a singles match against Attaché. I was so excited. Like towards the end of my career, I went from, from tag team matches to single matches. And Attaché was one of my singles matches. And oh my God, I was like, yay, we can see. Here's the thing, when you're wrestling, if you don't know the girls really well, it's really hard to allow them control of your body. Think about this, okay? When you're a small girl like myself, you're not the one doing the throwing. You're the one being thrown. And honestly, there were girls, and I'm not gonna name names, that wouldn't be fair, but there were girls that I did not recognize because I didn't see them in training. Uh, I knew they were partying hard, right? And then they would come in and they would be all like on adrenaline. And I would, those were the matches where I would actually get like hurt and I'd be bruised and my hair would be falling out, you know, because they pulled too hard and they stomped and they literally took the wind out of me. Like that's not how you do a stomp. You can't sell when you really got the wind knocked out of you. It's the worst look on television, right? Cause you're just like frozen and you're like, there's, there's nothing to sell. You're dead. And so working with Attaché was awesome because she was my trainer and I got to 
um, feel really confident with her. And we only did stuff that I knew how to execute well. And even in that match, I was really super tired because it was a high level match. And anything you do with that Tache is high level. She's a freaking, she was a freaking phenomenal little athlete. I mean, do you remember that scene where Fiji threw her out of the ring? Like, yep. But that was a hell of a bump. You know, she just went flying into the chairs. Like this was like un, I could, I, I was not even at that level, but Attache was such an amazing trainer. She came from, uh, like she, she, not only did she evolve as a wrestler and took her craft really seriously, but when she wasn't in the ring, when she wasn't training, she was educating herself. She was watching videos. She was practicing. She wanted us to be able to do those types of moves that we were seeing on the WWF at the time. And I honestly felt really fortunate to be part of her training group. I was in there, I'll tell you some of the girls that I was in there with to give you an idea. Uh, I trained with dementia. I got to see her come in in season number two. She was extremely uh, strong, powerful. We're talking about dementia number one, not the recast dementia number two, Nancy. Uh, this uh, dementia number one was extremely strong. And then, um, and I felt really comfortable with her in the ring. Also, Amy, the farmer's daughter, I got to see her green. I got to see her on her first day, her eyes like this going, I got to do what? You know, like these are the girls that were coming in, the headhunters. Do you don't remember them or not? But uh, the headhunters were in my training group. And uh, those, are the, those are the ones that, oh, those are the ones that kind of came off the top of my head because I saw them regularly and they were really investing in learning how to become a wrestler. And you know what? This is the way I looked at it. Like, I'm, I was not a wrestler. I had no wrestling background. So I was at every training. Like, I, I would never for a minute thought I was too good to stop going to training. Even when new girls were coming in, I was right there. I was doing the roles. I was, I was doing the warm-ups. I was uh, running through matches. So sometimes when we had a match, let's say I was going to be doing a match with uh, Soul Patrol, and they wanted to execute some moves on me, they were like, hey, we just watched this and we want to do this. It would be in front of Attaché first. Like, I need to see if you can pick me up. Like, we're, we're you're just not going to just like execute a move without like a certain level of confidence. And so we would use uh, our time with Attaché too to really uh, run through our matches, feeling a level of comfort. We would see something on television. We, she would help us execute it. And you had to, as a wrestler, you had to really hold ground. Here's what I mean by holding ground. Girls wanted to look impressive on television. When you were a small girl, it was like, how can I break this one in two so I can look like a badass, so I can make it to the next match and have all this fear for my next opponent? You know, this is going to look great on television. But when I talk about holding ground, it's like, hey, I want to execute this move. And if I didn't feel comfortable, there were some girls uh, that were just more, uh, they didn't hold their ground as well. And so they would say, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Like, you know, just because they wanted to be the team player. And I absolutely wanted to be a team player, but I also knew that no one was going to look out for me but me. Like, so if I didn't feel comfortable, I'd be scrap that. Scrap, we're scrapping it. You got to come up with something different. 
like this is towards the end of the match when you're the most tired and you want to lift me up and do this. And if you don't throw me flat, if I don't land flat, I'm landing on my shoulder. I have two torn rotator cuffs. And that's from, that's from girls I trusted, right? Like those are the girls that I allowed to throw me. But when you're tired at the end of a match, man, you just, you just kind of just try to execute the move and you don't realize how much energy you need towards the end of a match. So does that help? I'm trying to give you content that maybe hasn't been explored yet or talked about or kind of a behind the scenes feel of what really goes on with young women wrestlers when they're trying to make a name for themselves. Yep, and then because of all this physicality that you had to do in the ring, what did you do outside of the ring to prepare yourself for your matches? Nothing. <laughs> Mike, this is the 80s. This is the 80s. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't even, at this point, I wasn't even taking aerobic classes because we were doing, I was in training three days a week, right? That, I mean, I, I went three days a week and then we had, we were, uh, given, I think our matches on Friday, like this is who, this is what you, and we have like a week to prepare. So when I wasn't in training, I was like going to the girls rooms, trying to pencil out the match, you know, trying to put things together. So even though I was in training three days a week, I was still at the Riviera every day and I really didn't have time. And you know what, we had these buffet tickets, uh, unlimited amount of buffet tickets. Like we could eat at the buffet, 20 times a day, no one cared. And uh, so when I wasn't training, I was eating the worst food you could possibly imagine, like mashed potatoes and gravy and everything was like, I don't know, so fattening and ridiculous. Uh, it was really tough to get good quality food. I mean, we're talking buffets in the 80s and I'm a Vegas girl, right? Like I grew up in Las Vegas. I got there when I was in the, the third grade. So whatever age that is, seven, eight years old. And so growing up in Vegas, I can tell you that the buffet food at that time was not quality. So does that help give you kind of a perspective there? Yep. And what were some of your favorite matches? You had tons of matches over the years. What, what were your favorite ones? Yeah, I actually did have tons of matches. And that was because we were, uh, we were heavy with bad girls in season, uh, you know, season two, especially like really heavy with bad girls. So they, they couldn't, you know, each bad girl might've had one or two matches. I had to have like three, uh, three or four, I was coming in on different tag matches. And so what was, I kind of mad at myself a little bit because there were sometimes I would enter a ring. I didn't have my full belly dancing outfit on. I was just so tired. I came in inherent pants and I'm like, trying to belly dance real fast and get in the ring because well, you're exhausted. You're just simply exhausted. So uh, my favorite matches uh, was, well, my favorite match of all time was never shown on television. And that was the match with Palestina. It was a duel in the desert and it was a, uh, it was a, a match to the death. We had props. We had swords, we had sticks, you know, this is that opening scene, the glow entrance scene where I break a chair on Palestina's back. That was from that match that never aired. And the reason I was told was it was because when I was putting that match together with Palestina, she was, her and I were just really compatible and we were making it really even. Like, I mean, it was a beautiful match where 
you know, she cheated at the end, but it was a chance for little Egypt to kind of show her shit. Like, oh, you told me not to cuss. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, so when I start talking wrestling, I just like, all of a sudden my Jersey family comes out of me and like, you know, okay. So, uh, what was, what, uh, what happened was it just, uh, it took away her like villainous, like she, like it, 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 uh, it, they didn't want her character to be exposed with too much weakness in the ring against little Egypt. So they just thought great match for little Egypt, but you know, this is the terrorist and you know, uh, she needs to be more scary than that. So it never, it never aired, but here's the thing. Matilda's husband was always there at ringside on film days taking pictures. And I have a great collection of photos of the match, which you can find on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called, uh, not a group, it's page. It's called the official, no, it's not. Sorry, names keep changing. It's called Glow, G-L-O-W, Little Egypt. Okay, if you go to Facebook, put in Glow Little Egypt, you'll see my page. And then just go to old school photos. It's an album and you will see like five or six of those photos from that match. That's without a doubt my favorite. And then I would say my other favorite matches uh, were either the comedy kind of matches against Chainsaw and Spike or, uh, or the Housewives, which the hardest part about wrestling the Housewives is not laughing. Like- I bet. That is the hardest part because you can hear them. And if, even if it's not getting caught by the audio, right? By the mics, they, they were, they were just rolling. Uh, they are just so brilliantly talented and they needed a whole show just on their own. They were- I, Watching them was so hilarious that I don't know how you kept a straight face in the ring, not cracking up during the match. Oh, well, my first match with them, remember when I told you I came out on day one? Um, I actually broke character and you can see it. Like I, I just like, like did one of those. Um, if you, if you would watch the match, it's very unprofessional, but I couldn't help it. They were freaking hilarious. And I got better at, you know, being in character more, but let me tell you, those girls are, and they're so easy. Like, I mean, you didn't even really have to take a bump. And I can't believe that I ended my career. I started my career uh, with my first match against Chainsaw and Spike, and I ended with them in the ring as uh, Chainsaw and Spike. Isn't that awesome? What a what a beautiful story of uh, coming full circle in my wrestling career. Yep, and a couple other people that you had mentioned um, that you had wrestled with. Uh, actually, Ninochka. Could you tell us a little bit about working with Ninochka and your match with Ninochka? I was so excited when they said a singles match against Anuchka. Here she was, a, a GLOW champion, right? Like, the only matches I ever won were the ones where I was tag teaming with someone else, like Tina Ferrari or Americana, and I was able to, like, get a win, you know, just because they were so amazing. And, wow, when I was building that match with Nanuchka, she actually came up with the idea of the Dance of the Seven Veils. Of course, she's a choreographer, she's a professional dancer. Like she's like, we're gonna do this and for every, we're gonna execute seven moves and for each move, I'm gonna take one of the veils off. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best. I only have seven moves <laughs> and I trust you explicitly. I mean, explicitly is what I'm trying to say. And because I trusted her, I mean, those were some really serious, the backbreakers and, and uh, you know, some of, some of her moves were just executed 
so perfectly. Like this could be for the eighties, that was a high level match. And I'll always be able to look back at that and just go, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was little, but when paired with the right person, I was able to deliver some really good uh, bumps for that wrestler. And then also, you did have a lot of tag matches. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of your partners. So the first one I want to talk about is who was your tag team partner most of the time, Little Fiji. How was Little Fiji working with? She was so easy. Oh, my God. Okay, so I, I loved working with Little Fiji. She actually was Chinese, and a lot of people don't know this. Her family owned my favorite Chinese restaurant in Las Vegas called The Mayflower. Like I would go eat there all the time. So when I met her and she was, uh, I was like, so how, what's it like living in Fiji? You know, she's like, I'm <laughs> Chinese. I thought, oh my God, she goes, my family owns that restaurant. I thought, oh, I love it there. Oh my God. So, you know, we talked about the schools we went to, we connected real well and her, um, her gimmick, you know, the way she wrestled, she really was confident in the ring and took a lot of bumps. Uh, but she, but she didn't put up much of a fight. Like I was more of a, like went down screaming. She didn't go down screaming. She just, she would like, ah, and she'd get hurt. And then she'd get back up and she'd take another bump. And I would be, I would be more like the instigator, like the one that was like, we can't go down like this. <laughs> we gotta fight, you know? And, uh, at least she always had Mount Fiji that could come in and rescue her. I had no one that could come in and rescue me. So I, I was like, we're on our own. <laughs> You know, that we, we got to get out of this, you know, and that's what made it a really good pair. Plus, we were almost the exact same size. Like, it was kind of fun to watch us, especially when we were up against Matilda the Hun, because we paired so nicely with her. And that was just another uh, just rock star that just knew how to put together a story. She was so good. And then how was it like working with the California doll? You know, we actually... You know, it, it, if you had to say, like, who was my best friend uh, in GLOW, it, well, the doll and Amy were the best of friends, right? But the doll and I were, like, right there with, like, she is who I gravitated to. The doll was from Vegas, too. So a lot of people don't know that. And she was living off, you can say off campus, off the Riviera, like I was. So we were coming in to the Riviera. So there was this culture of... Um, we don't really have this super deep connection with some of the other girls because we're not partying with them. Doll had a boyfriend. I had a boyfriend. So we were, I mean, talk about good girls being perfectly good girls. Like we, <laughs> we just went to work, went home, got back. And, you know, um, the doll and I are still connected to this day. I adore her. I, you know, we're Facebook friends. I check in with her all the time. What a beauty she was and a body. Oh my God. And she was just such a good wrestler. I love the, I loved being able to tag team with her. Um, cause she was just like fearless and she was so fun to work with cause we were really good friends. So I couldn't wait. You know, I love tagging with the doll. And Amy, the farmer's daughter. Amy was just 
absolutely delicious and so fun to hang out with. She had such a vibrant personality. And I just spoke to her maybe about a year ago, I got her number to check in with her. Uh, she didn't make it in the documentary because I couldn't find her at the time. But uh, just hearing how she's doing and, and she still has that like that uh, energy for life, you know, she still is really a super passionate person. Her and David McLean were seeing each other. This is no secret, okay? They were uh, dating each other, so they were in a passionate love affair, and um, the doll and Amy looked great tag-teaming together, these two gorgeous blondes, but when I got to be with Amy, too, I was like, I get to be with Amy. It was really super fun. We had a match with Matilda. That was the first match I showed my son when he was in, I think, maybe third grade or fourth grade. He cried. And he was, you know, he was like, why are you getting hurt? You know, all this. So then I, I didn't show him any more matches. And then when, actually when it started resurfacing in, uh, when like 2008, you know, that's when, when Glow started kind of having this cult following on YouTube. That's when I started, uh, really sharing with Jacob my history in Glow, but he still promised, like we had a promise. I'm like, look, son. I'm, I'm doing this documentary, uh, there's, I'm giving interviews, but I'm not talking about it. Here's why, because I don't want your high school friends going to look for these videos and then talking about your mom in a weird way. Like I just, so I, and he's like, I'm not embarrassed, mom. I think this is great, mom. I said, I know you do son, but after you graduate, then you can tell the whole world. And so he promised to keep that uh, quiet for a couple of years. And I was so glad he did. Now, now here's the thing, Mike, my son went to college. He went to an awesome school, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. It's really like one of the leading colleges in California. He, he founded a fraternity. He's like this really, um, you know, he majors in entrepreneurship, just like his mom. He's like this, like unstoppable human being. And uh, I became really cool in his fraternity. Like I became like, your mom is what you know like your mom's that and then i then i aired on the bachelor with uh ursula do you remember that and they had this big like they were watching the bachelor all the time so when his mom got to be on the bachelor they had this big viewing party and everyone was drinking and girls were over there and they were just like your mom's a rock star but it was the emotional age of his friends at that time because the emotional age of his friends when he was in high school was something I didn't want him to have to defend me. I didn't want him to actually get upset or feel like he has to validate what I did. And then it worked and it was worth the wait because when it um, matured and evolved and, and all his friends had a, 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 a different emotional age, then they could really appreciate just like the work that his mom was doing at that level when she was just 19 years old. So. Anyway, I'm sharing that with you guys because this is stuff I usually don't talk about. So hopefully this is content that, you know, it'll make it worth the listen for you guys. And also you did have, um, you did have one opponent. I think you'll know who I'm talking, or actually you didn't get her actually as an opponent, but I think you're going to know who I'm talking about, who you go up certain levels and glow. Yeah. Until eventually you reach a certain opponent. Do you happen to know who I'm talking about? That you didn't, you didn't get to wrestle her, but you were kind of fearing for the day you might have to go in the ring with her. 
Spanish can words. Us, yep. Can you tell us a little bit about her? <laughs> so, and by the way, I don't even know where Spanish Red is. I would love to find her. I'd love to give her a big hug. You know what? Here's the thing with Spanish Red. She was the sweetest freaking person in the world. Like, just a joy to be around. And in the ring, no one knew who she became. Like, she became a crazy woman. Like, I was so worried that I would have to have that experience. Like, I did, like, she lost it. Even if you said, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that, she's going to do it anyway. And that's what really got the girls, like, pissed off. It was like, ah, I told her not to do it, and she did it anyway. Like, what the hell? And then afterwards, like, when they're confronting her, like, what the F, man? Why did you do that? And she was like, I don't know. I just got in my head. <laughs> What the F? Don't get in your head. We're paid to deliver a performance. Like we all have a job to do. Don't go off the script. And it didn't matter. She did it anyway. Is there anybody over the years, whether it was during your years or later on, that you didn't get a chance to wrestle that you would have liked to have wrestled? Uh, well, in season one and two, like that's my season. So, but if you're talking about who, if I could have been on all four seasons, if I didn't get, I would love to have wrestled Godiva. Like, I think her and I would have put together a great match. We became really good friends after GLOW, probably for the last seven years. You know, we do a lot of fun things together. We enjoy life together. And it's just, she's such a great heel. And, you know, I think we would have, we would have had a lot of fun. We've done a lot of interviews. We've done a lot of uh, photography and it just looked good. You know, she looked really powerful. She's bigger than I am. She's a great heel. And so it's just kind of a nice combination. I liked it a lot. So that's, that's who I think I would want to wrestle the most. So you mentioned earlier that your career started with Chainsaw and Spike and it ended with Chainsaw and Spike. Can mm -hmm. you let us know exactly what led you to leave GLOW? Uh, I was injured and was put into early retirement, you could say. So I tore my ACL in the ring. And the ironic thing was, I was such a careful wrestler. And I was really, at the end, very tactical. And I really could execute my moves well towards the end. And I was so confident. And I blew my ACL because I was a barefoot wrestler. And my heel caught in the separation of a match going in for something as stupid as a headbutt. A headbutt is the e easiest thing to execute. You just plant your feet, put your hands up, and then go into the person's stomach like that. But when I planted my feet, my heel caught and snapped my knee right there on the spot. I was done. And, oh, man, that was such a horrible time for me because I really believed I was going to be a wrestler as a career. Like I really felt like this was my, these were my sisters. This was my sorority. These were my family. And then in a minute, it was all taken from me. I couldn't go back to training. I didn't, you know, they never really said you're fired, you know, or anything like that. You know, they're like, well, when Egypt's ready, she'll come back you know, and I was going through rehab. And then the end of season two came and the total like split, David McClain taking the crew. And listen, those girls, you know, it wasn't about staying with Matt and getting more airtime, maybe later as I healed. It was, my family's going with David. I'm going with David. I love David. He's like a brother to me. You know, he's always had our back. He was always fighting for us. He was always like, 
pushing us to be wrestlers, right? Like he really wanted his dream for GLOW was not the same dream that Matt had for GLOW, but you can see the evolution of David McLean's dream if you just watch his work in WOW. Okay, that is what he dreamed of for GLOW. So with those girls, right, they're, they're the WOW girls, they're amazing wrestlers, they're superheroes, and that was the vision that I bought into with David when I first decided to do this. And I knew that if I was on that bus with David, that we would be moving with that vision. And that's when he formed POW, Powerful Women of Wrestling. We did a tour. I was there for the tour. I had a completely different costume. It was a, a blue little Egypt costume, which I still have. Uh, it's in perfect condition. And, um, and I never st really stepped in the ring uh, on that tour. And again, David never let me go. But when we took a break between tours, I didn't ask him to come back. Like if I would have said, hey, David, can I come back? He probably would have said, yeah, sure. How you feeling? You know, like maybe we'll, he'll always find a place for me because when that's David's heart, like he doesn't let people go from his life. And, but I was like, this is it. This is the end. But with, with every ending, there's always a new beginning, beginning right? Like, like we don't know what that beginning's going to be. We just are in the energy of this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. I just lost my family. I, uh, how am I going to segue this into anything? How do I take this talent into anything? But here's, here's, at, and maybe we'll just end on this, Mike, to cut your interview short. And that's about women empowerment. Because what are, what, uh, what Glow taught me was to be fearless, to be uncomfortable, in a physical way, like uh, using physicality to be able to really imprint on me at a cellular level that I could do extraordinary things, that I can be brave, that I can be uncomfortable, that I can try things that I've never tried before and be successful at it. And so it started with Fiji's belief in me because she believed, breathe, uh, believed, breathe, believed, belief in me, excuse me, when I had no belief in myself. But I learned I could borrow hers until I started developing my own belief. Then I took that belief and I went into real estate for 20 years. And I became one of the top realtors in Las Vegas. I stayed in Las Vegas, closing over a thousand homes. That's, a, that's an amazing track record as a real, real estate agent. And I was able to really retire at the age of 45. And when I retired, I moved to Laguna Beach, which is where I live right now. And I love it here. I love it. And in Laguna Beach is where I found my third calling. And that was in Arbonne, which is a network marketing company. We, are, we produce uh, vegan, uh, plant-based products. We have over 400 of them. And I was able to take what I learned in wrestling, my business savvy that I learned in real estate, and I built an Arbon. Uh, I built in Arbon a huge empire of men and women who I empower on a daily basis because I, what I learned, I'm able to duplicate. And I am so excited about that because I finally found my calling. I finally found a way to give back. Uh, a way to inspire 
And I use my stories and my history to show people that you have to be brave. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to do things you've never done before in order for other people to follow. And that's what we're here for, Mike. Like we are here to lead, not to follow. We are here to live our best lives. We are here to um, have experiences and evolve, right? There's nothing sexy about being comfortable, right? That's to me a huge turnoff. Uh, there's nothing special about being comfortable. Comfortable is safe. There's nothing to learn being comfortable. It's when you become uncomfortable. That's the beauty of the journey that you are here to take. And for me, it started being uncomfortable in the ring. Then I started being uncomfortable in real estate till I could figure that out. And then it was being uncomfortable in building my own network marketing business in Arbonne. Uh, until I started becoming comfortable. And now because of that, I have a really awesome organization and I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. So Mike, with that, thank you so much for having me. I love being here. And uh, I hope you guys that were listening heard some things about behind the scenes glow that maybe you never heard before. So Yep. Thank you for joining us today, Little Egypt. Really quick before we let you go, I just want to have your thoughts on Glow Netflix on how you enjoy watching Glow Netflix. Okay. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I was actually one of the producers on the documentary that's on Netflix called Glow, the story of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. I worked on that documentary for two and a half years. Actually, there was no money to pay me. I just wanted to give these guys, um, we had two guys, the director and the producer, Brad and Brett, who came up with the idea that this would be a great documentary. And they were working with Ursula on like getting the story together, but they weren't able to find a lot of the girls. And because I had this background in real estate, I had tax records. A lot of the girls were in Vegas. I was able to reach out to family members. I was able to track down girls and girls were calling me back because they could connect with me. They, they knew it was legit that I wasn't just some crazy, crazed up person looking to talk to them. And I was able to, uh, towards the end of the documentary, find 40 out of the 60 girls that were cast in GLOW. So if you have not watched the documentary GLOW, the story of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, oh my God, watch it. It's considered one of the best wrestling documentaries ever made. And because of that documentary, airing on Netflix. It was seen by the writers of Orange is the New Black who thought, wait a minute, this could be a great series. They walked it, uh, they took it to their executive producer, Genji Cohen, who is a freaking rock star. And they said, what do you think about a series based on Glow? And she said, Absolutely. They walked it into Netflix. They got picked up for season one. They started getting uh, Emmy nominations right off the bat. And now they are in the process of filming season four. And this will be their final season, which coincidentally and makes this whole story of Glow such a beautiful ending is that Glow only aired for four seasons. So it's just kind of like it all comes together full circle. And if you're in the right vibration and if you do things for the right reasons, because when I was working on that documentary, I never said I'm working on this documentary and one day it's gonna be a series. No, I just wanted, I would just wanted the organic story to be told. I wanted to be able to say, wait a minute, 
this is not a story that only six people are going to tell here. Like this, this, this story started with people that I don't even know. Like we need to, we, we need to get this story and as many people together to tell this story as possible. And then it just evolved into this beautiful arc with Mount Fiji and uh, just all of us coming together for the right reasons. And there are, there are wrestlers in that documentary that want nothing to do with connecting to the fan base uh, because they've just moved on from it. And if, you, if you're really curious about what these girls look like, watch the documentary because there's a reunion scene at the end and you will see just how beautiful they are and just how amazing uh, the story was and their efforts to come together just to see Mount Fiji one last time. God, God bless her soul. Um, she passed away, but she did not pass away without knowing that she was loved, that her story was told, that she was important and um, she never felt she never felt that um, she disappeared. She and she'll never disappear as long as I have breath in me, because my story doesn't exist without Mount Fiji. Yes, and and I I think a perfect statement that somebody said once too is that Mount Fiji was the heart of Glow. There, there's so many wrestlers, so many wonderful girls in there, but it all kind of boils back to Mount Fiji. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that because uh, she, um, she was just she was she was absolutely incredible. Talk about she was an athlete, Mike. She was an Olympic athlete, and um, she treated her wrestling career like it was a sport. And because of her leadership, which I followed, I took my job as a wrestler very, very seriously too. And I treated it like a sport. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We had so much fun learning so much with yeah. you. Can yeah. you tell everybody how they can get in contact with you on social media? Okay, so Instagrammers, you can find me. I got so lucky because I went on Instagram early and snagged uh, my page title is Little Egypt. Run it together. It's one word. You'll see lots of fun stuff there. If you're on Facebook, I have uh, Glow Little Egypt is my fan page. Also, I have, if you just put in Angelina Altitian, that's my name, you'll see two profiles come up. One is my kind of like my working profile where I have a big Arbon community there. And the other one is wrestling specific. So if you want to see like old school photos or anything I'm doing with WOW or anything that I'm doing with the Cauliflower Alley Club or anything with me and any other wrestler on the planet, go look for that profile. It's an open profile. Just follow it. Make sure you click on the notification so that when I do make a post, you don't miss it. All right, thank you very much. We loved having you here today. And thank you everybody for watching. Keep it right here for some more great interviews and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks everybody. Thanks, talk to you later, bye.